Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. And Jenna, you said you feel that this is a targeted attack. What do you mean when you say that? Um, this, that same school board member is currently going around right now trying to, well, along with, you know, the whole, what DeSantis is doing, trying to get rid of all basically diversity elements out of schools completely. Like they're trying to strip individuality and diversity to fit one common agenda and it's ruining everything. It's not what America stands for. I think let's let our viewers listen to what that parent said um, that complained uh, about you doing this in, in a recent school board meeting. Here it is. It is not a teacher's job to impose their beliefs upon a child, religious, sexual orientation, gender identity, any of the above. But allowing movies such as this assist teachers in opening a door. And please hear me. They assist teachers in opening a door for conversations that have no place in our classrooms. We had played that for the viewers in the introduction, but I just want to give you a chance to respond. Yeah, so that's what she's missing and what these parents are missing is they're not in the school system. That that just shows me that she's ignorant and has not come and volunteered at all. Because our, these conversations, these doors, they're open. These students have one-to-one devices. The amount of things that they're able to pull up that we have to shut down, they, they, these conversations, these doors that she's talking about, that's telling, telling me I'm stripping her rights as a parent, those rights are gone when your child's in the public school system because there are students talking about these things. It's where they get 90% of their socialization for the day. And we can't shut down every conversation every child has. Thank you for being with us this morning. Keep so us posted. I'm sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. No, it's okay. Stories, whether they're in Texas or Oklahoma or wherever they are, saying how they now have to seriously consider leaving their state to protect their child. And that's something that we have to call out and continue to be very clear about, that these are kids. These are our kids. They belong to all of us. Corruption, weaponization, any kind of misconduct that exists with the American people. It doesn't solve it. But the FBI will crush you. This government will crush you and your family if you try to expose the truth about things that they are doing that are wrong. And we are all examples of that. I can't think of a more sobering way to end a hearing. I yield back. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It is, well, it's the 19th. Didn't check the date first. May, year of our Lord, 2023. That intro is, uh, yeah, bullshit. It's bullshit. I, I should have put the theme today. It's bullshit, but our kids. That's a fifth grade teacher from Florida. And then the press secretary. They ain't your kids. Really? That's interesting. 
how'd that shit work out last time? Because, you know, we went down this road before. This was big with, you know, HRC and company. They were all down with this shit. I put together a show yesterday, and then I found that last soundbite about the whistleblower, and we'll cover it in a bit. But then I found this. I, I just want to... You know, I got two new little segments today, uh, Media Social Justice Warriors, because I, I was just putting sound bites and articles together, and Jesus Christ, more of it's come from the media than it's come from fucking Democrats. And this soundbite from a hearing, this is just bullshit. It's bullshit. And I think Americans need to hear it because there are other glimpses of just how the victimization is going on and how it's victimization at scale. This is one fact that struck me. The Bank of America records, the story that Bank of America turned over the credit card transactions, whether for an aircraft or a lodging or the purchase of a cup of coffee, for everyone who decided to come to Washington, to be in Washington area, the Northern Virginia area. That's one of the things that you asked questions about. There are victims all over the place. All of the people who suffered when the FBI and the Department of Homeland Security got involved in censorship with social media platforms, millions and millions of tweets and narratives being taken down. That is victimization at scale. It must be resolved. And the fact that those who profess to be most concerned about victimization of people by law enforcement in this country join in the victimization of you. I think that's the takeaway, at least for me, from this hearing. That's bullshit. Any way you cut it, it's just fucking bullshit. Because BOA wouldn't have turned over all that data for let's say Floyd riots where we burn down cities that's when you know we're broke that's when you just know we're completely broke so some upfront stuff gotta get to it eight year old girl died uh, it is not like going volcanic it's not it's uh, pretty fucking buried this AP just a quick little oh well it's a struggle struggles with overcrowding I put out misinformation I didn't do it knowingly because we don't put out this data there were 16 terror watch list motherfuckers in April alone just let that sit in your head this is what we know of we're not talking about the people we don't know about. All the gotaways. You gotta think it's more. Debbie Washerman Schultz. We're gonna have spoiled crops. That's all these people are for them. Spoiled crops. Really? If a conservative said that, um, yeah, we'd, we'd have problems. So, 
Didn't want to miss the border. Got it up front. We're going to go into our top six today. I still got to work on this bumper. I don't like it, but it's here. Uh, we're going to listen to HRC, and I'm going to pay three minutes pay, play, three minutes and 23 seconds of uh, shift because this is the biggest misinformation, disinformation person ever, and you'll hear the usual soundbite in between of a sushing sound, because then you're going to go straight into Schiff now, when we know it was all a lie. MSNBC didn't even press it. No. The only other adversary of ours who's anywhere near as good as the Russians is China. So why should Russia have all the fun? And since Russia is clearly backing Republicans, why don't we ask China to back us? I hereby tonight ask China. That's right. And not only that, China, if you're listening, why don't you get Trump's tax returns? I'm sure our media would richly reward you. Uh, and but, I think, but you admit uh, that, it's uh, a circum. All you have right now is a circumstantial case. Uh, actually, no, Chuck. Uh, I, I can tell you that the case is more than that, uh, and I can't go into the particulars. But there is more than circumstantial evidence now. So, um, again, I think so. You have Clapper, seen direct evidence of collusion. Uh, I don't want to go into specifics, but I will say that there is evidence that is not circumstantial uh, and, uh, and is very much worthy of investigation. So, is th- There has been a report from CNN that uh, Wednesday night that, there, that the FBI was looking into collusion uh, with, with the Russians in the Trump campaign uh, w- uh, in terms of spreading information about Hillary Clinton's campaign. Is th- do you have any information to back that up? Uh, I'm not sure uh, that I can comment on that. Uh, I can say that I think that the investigation that the director talked about at our Monday hearing uh, is justified. Uh, I think there is a sufficient basis for that investigation, not only to have been initiated, uh, but for it to continue at this point. And I don't have a concern with other members characterizing the evidence as they have. And many of them have said they think there's no evidence of collusion. My disagreement with those members is I don't think that's accurate. uh, And I feel an obligation to say so. So they can call it a fishing expedition. They can call it a witch hunt. It's all an aligned message with the White House. But nonetheless, real evidence is coming forward that just can't be ignored. Uh, So we do know a lot more. I I think the claims that there was no evidence of collusion have long since fallen away. Uh, The question now is what is the, the... quantum of proof here. That Christopher Steele may have found out even before our own intelligence agencies that the Russians were in fact aiming to help Donald Trump in the election. That has now been borne out by ample evidence. Uh, I think you see the most palpable evidence of a collusion in terms of violating the Logan Act. Look, uh, I don't think you can seriously argue that the Russians weren't trying to help Trump and hurt Clinton, uh, as well as so discord in the United States. The evidence is quite overwhelming on this. Uh, it was the early conclusion of the intelligence community, but that's only been furthered by all of the evidence we've seen in our investigation. And Cl- uh, put out uh, a statement and a report basically saying that they found no evidence of collusion between the Trump team uh, and the Russian government. Have Democrats found any evidence of collusion? Uh, Yes, we have. Can you agree that there has been no evidence of collusion coordination or conspiracy that has been presented thus far between the Trump campaign and Russia? 
Uh, no, I don't agree with that at all. I think there's plenty of evidence of collusion or conspiracy in plain sight. Uh, that it is very possible that the best evidence uh, is yet to come. But look, you can see evidence in plain sight uh, on the issue of collusion. George, there's ample evidence of collusion uh, of the campaign and it's... The Senate intel chairman also said at this point, no evidence of collusion at this point. Have you seen, do you have direct evidence of collusion with Russia? Well, I think there is direct evidence. While there is abundant evidence of collusion, uh, but as... Congressman Schiff, the uh, Durham investigation ended up where there was plenty of reason to believe it was going to end up uh, with a new report about nothing. That's exactly right. Uh, as you pointed out, this is an investigation that started in a flawed manner. It was conducted in a flawed manner, uh, and its conclusion uh, is a, a flawed conclusion. Um, it began in a flawed way because this was the result of Donald Trump badgering Bill Barr to investigate the investigators. So it was brought really with no predicate except this is what Donald Trump was demanding and this is what Bill Barr wanted to have undertaken. During the course of the investigation, you have reportedly multiple prosecutors leave the team over Durham's conduct, over Durham's discussing the investigation while it was ongoing in violation of DOJ policy, uh, Durham's decision to try to get the emails belonging to an American uh, repeatedly refused by a judge and then seeking reportedly other means to get the same information. Uh, and uh, you had uh, uh, also uh, Durham uh, engage in other conduct, um, bringing cases prosecutors thought were insufficient uh, and quickly resulting in acquittal. But then finally, this conclusion, which adds very little to the inspector general's report we had two years ago, never proves the deep state conspiracy that was alleged all along. Really? You want to stick with that statement? Because CIA sent a memo to Peter Zork saying it had intel that Russia or Clinton was trying to frame Trump from Russian ties. Zork concealed it from the team tasked with investigating Russia. One agent found out he felt so betrayed that he stormed out. FBI Deputy Assistant Director for Counterintelligence Dina Corsi told the team not to put anything in writing about the fake dossier and what an FBI lawyer in the room said was the most inappropriate operational professional statement he had ever heard at the FBI. FBI agents said top brass pressured them intensely to continue investigating dry holes and they were asking, what are we even doing here? Because it was so obviously fake, the steel dossier went missing within FBI within the FBI for 75 days before being foisted on them with no time to vet while chasing down every conceivable fimsy rabbit hole sourced from literally fabricated anonymous sources saying preposterous things the FBI studiously avoided simply getting to the bottom of it by refusing to interview those most involved Dolan Papanatilis Carter Page that's um, the deep state But because our media is just about faking the funk, that's the Atlantic, sinister flop. This is the New York Times because, you know, would they actually do the right thing? No. After years of political hype, the Durham inquiry failed to deliver. No, it, it delivered. It just delivered what you don't want to acknowledge. 
The FBI gave everyone involved with Hillary's illegal server immunity in exchange for their silence, at the same time colluding with the Clintons to create the Russia hoax. Meanwhile, they called CNN to have cameras ready when they went after the harmless grifter. At least the day in the days of Contel Pro, they actually believed they were protecting America from a serious foreign threat. Today, they lie, intimidate, manufacture, investigate, and fake evidence just to help their friends and punish people they personally hate. FBI has been exposed for hiring private contractors to infiltrate and surveil on online chat rooms of people who opposed forced vaccination, according to Lee Fang. This is a politician. Bottom line, Comey, Page, McCabe, Sork lied to the American people and created a false narrative about Donald Trump to interfere in the 2016 election. Daniel Goldman, so Representative Ben Klein, how could the FBI have interfered in the 2016 election against Trump if nothing about the Russia-Trump investigation was ever made public before the election? It actually was, you lying sack of dung. It started in June on Meet the Press. Durham report on the origins of the Trump-Russia probe is damning for the FBI, but they're not the only ones with egg on their face. The corporate pricks look terrible. The biggest takeaway from Durham's report is that Russiagate, the biggest story of the last seven years, never should have happened. The FBI had insufficient evidence to launch their investigation in the Trump campaign. Plus, the investigation had material flaws. The investigators were too trusting and relying on the Steele dossier. A lot of that came from Clinton campaign, whom the investigator treated far better than Trump. But each of these critiques applied to the media, too. First, the Steele dossier from the P-tape to the idea Trump was installed by Russia. The press ate up the dossier without verifying that, eventually shown to be bogus. Even after the Steele dossier was finally written off as garbage, the media tried time and again to resurrect it. ABC, New York Times, WAPO, USA Today, MSNBC, Washington Post. He shows it all. The receipts are here. I'm not going to waste your time. Like the FBI, the press was far too cozy with the Clinton campaign. Rather than treat information coming from them as potentially tainted and at least biased, OPPO, they ran with Clinton's conjecture gospel. Finally, the corporate press was so quick to get disgraced former FBI officials to come onto their program to defend the investigator, they fucking hired him. CNN had someone whom Trump had fired to speculate about whether or not Trump might be a Russian agent. McCabe. I think it's possible Trump's a Russian asset. So has the press learned anything from all this? Well, if any indication, McCabe was on CNN today to talk about Durham Report, and he mocked it. He mocked it. Durham report shows government misinformation. Czars are the first to believe it. They're the ones. It's it's just hard to believe. It's just really hard for me sometimes to try to get my head around these people and how they conduct it. Here's the media continually spinning. The special counsel did not recommend any new charges against any individuals or 
any changes to the way that the FBI handles politically charged investigations. So those two key takeaways, uh, very important here. And this does not... Right. This does not fall in line with the description from the former president that we heard at the time of his expectations of the Durham probe, right? He was saying that uh, former President right. Obama was spying on his campaign, that this was a witch hunt, a deep state-coordinated effort. Attorney General Merrick Garland, in sending this over to Congress, does so without any additions, redactions, or any other modifications. So this is the actual uh, source material handed directly over to Congress quite a bit different from what we saw Attorney General uh, William Barr do with the Mueller report. Just for folks at home, if they don't remember how this originated, but during the Trump administration, uh, because it, it, driven in part by his allegations that this whole Russia investigation started uh, by uh, Democrats, conspiracy theory, George right. Soros, I mean, you name all the connections, many of them typical connections that were made, uh, that, that he was... Uh, first appointed by Bill Barr, then later named a special counsel to investigate the origins of the Russia uh, investigation in the FBI, which was known by the, by the name uh, Crossfire Hurricane. That, that, was, the, that was the origin uh, of, of this. And at the time, having covered this, th there was a great deal of, well, excitement or interest on the right that there were, there were going to be discoveries, as you right. say, of a mass conspiracy and that criminal charges were going to follow. That portion of it, though we should note he has found wrongdoing here, not wrongdoing, or at least not meeting their high standards. That And remember, it was based on a Trump campaign aide, George Papadopoulos, telling an Australian diplomat that the Russians had gone to the Trump campaign and said that they could leak information damaging to Hillary Clinton that would be helpful to the Trump campaign. And as you know, as, as all our viewers know, at the end of this long road, the Robert Mueller investigation issued a report and found no evidence, uh, or they couldn't establish coordination, formal coordination between the Trump campaign and Russia, but they found a host, dozens and dozens of, of troubling contacts between Trump campaign officials and Russian officials, and a Senate Intelligence uh, uh, Committee report, a bipartisan report, went even further. One piece of evidence that they had, as you know very well, Katie, that, that was weighing on the minds of senior FBI officials was that infamous comment that Donald Trump made to you, where he said, Russia, if you're listening, I hope you can find the 30,000 emails on Hillary Clinton's missing server or whatever it was, uh, essentially appealing to the Russian government. Now, he says he was joking, but it, it, it gave pause to a lot of people and made clear that Donald Trump was prepared to accept help from Russia and factored into the decision uh, for, by the FBI to well, open that on the note of joking, I did ask him in the moment, just after he said that, I said, does it not give you pause? Uh, to ask a foreign government to get involved, and he said, no, it does not. So um, there's really not a lot of stake to show for the sizzle here. Uh, I think the good news about this is that it's over, it's done, this is the final report, and there's absolutely nothing new here. Uh, I think that what might be concerning is if there was some new piece of information that was disturbing that was unknown before, but this is a rehash of all the things that were already included in the Inspector General's report. And it wasn't based on the Steele dossier that the case was opened, it was based on the statements by George Papadopoulos that they had stolen emails from the Democratic National Committee and Hillary Clinton. And remember, this was not an investigation into the Trump campaign so much as it was an and senior law enforcement analyst Andrew McCabe, who is deputy director, FBI director during Crossfire Hurricane, whose name comes up 58 times in the Durham report. So, Andrew, in the Durham report, it says the FBI never had evidence of collusion. That's not a legal term we should note. Between the Trump campaign and Russia in 2016, should never have launched a full investigation. What's your response? Yeah, I vehemently disagree with uh, with Mr. Durham's characterizations of what we did in the report. And there have been hearings this week, and um, 
it, it's just it's bad and it, and it it's just changed it's not trump anymore it's pro life it's anybody who dares speak out here are two sound bites from the hearing this week and literally agents showing up on a pro life person's doorstep of law enforcement resources misconduct and leadership ranks of the FBI and I've been here five years and during that period of time director Ray and AG Garland have both sat in desks just like that under oath and testified that they would not retaliate against whistleblowers and it's my understanding mr. friend that you went through all of the required regulations at the FBI in order to raise your concerns to your supervisors is that correct yes so you followed Inside protocol for the FBI, utilizing whistleblower statute protection information regulations through the FBI to make your your complaints and information be known. Yes. And you did that to your supervisors? Three levels of supervisors. Three levels of supervisors, and the response to that was losing your security clearance, shutting you out, losing your job, taking away your pay. That's correct. I'm so frustrated and angry. Uh, And Mr. Allen, is it your belief that you were retaliated against because you shared an email that questioned the truthfulness of FBI Director Christopher Wray? Yes, sir. And you believed that he wasn't truthful based on testimony he'd given to the United States Senate, isn't that right? Yes, sir. And in that testimony to the Senate, you believe that Christopher Wray indicated that there were no confidential informants and no uh, FBI assets that were present at the Capitol on January 6th that were part of the violent riot. Isn't that right? Yes, sir. Uh, the gentlelady from Florida is recognized. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. It's my understanding what's, that... What's, what's your, what's your, what's your, what are you, is you, are you making a point of order? No, I'm asking you a question. Or, okay. A point of inquiry. Okay. It's my understanding that the minority in this committee under the rules is entitled to the same testimony, information, documents that the majority uh, is entitled to. So, I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not aware that you're able to withhold information from the minority that we would new, need to use to no. prepare for a... When it comes to whistleblowers, you're not. And I would just, I would just remind the committee, remind whistle- everyone, look, Mr. when it comes Chairman, to whistleblowers, right. you are not. That's not right. It's, it's shocking that the gentleman... That's not right. It's shocking that the gentleman... so much about the whistleblower and the impeachment. It's shocking that the gentleman from New York would state that when you were part of an investigation with an anonymous whistleblower... We Mr. Chairman, these individuals Mr. Chairman, I, I, can't, I can't hear five people at once. Can we have regular it, order? Mr. Yeah. Mr. Chairman, it, I'm, Chair recognizes it's, I'm inquiring, and I was not. And I've told inquiring. you that when it comes to whistleblowers, you are not entitled to it. That's these at the discretion of Mr. Allen. Mr. Chairman, these and individuals have been determined not, not to be whistleblowers. These are not whistleblowers. They've been determined by the agency not to be whistleblowers. Are you deciding that they're whistleblowers? Yes, the law decides. Did you not listen to Mr. Levitt's testimony? Did you not read the law? The his law decides that they are whistleblowers. His attorney the is chair recognizes the gentlelady from the New York. The gentlelady from New York has been recognized. The law has not determined they are whistleblowers. His attorney is just asserting that. Hi, we're looking for Elise. I'm sorry, she's not here. Can I ask what this is in regards to? Yeah, sure. Uh, my name's Ashley Roberts, and this is Kathleen Brown. We're both with the FBI. We just need to speak with her regarding some information that was sent in to us. Okay. Well, she doesn't live here. Oh, okay. So, I mean, she's my daughter, but this is just her residence currently. Okay. Do, so. you, do you mind giving us her residence or her phone number by chance? Yeah, 
She's not in any trouble. We just have information that we need to ask her about. Okay. Here. Do you mind if I take a picture of your badges? Uh, unfortunately, we're not allowed to, to have anyone take our pictures. Can I see it again, please? Sure. Yeah. Well, you can you can always call our office too, and they can verify our, our employment because it is weird. Not every day you get a knock on the door from the FBI. No, and I'm like in a meeting upstairs, so I wasn't trying to not answer. Well, yeah, I was trying not to answer the door. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no worries, I've got yeah. And I'm like, oh my gosh, whoever's at the door is being like uber persistent. Give me a minute. <laughs> Sorry. So, no, that's okay. We can leave you our office number if you would like to call. And yeah, let me do that. That sounds good. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt your meeting. No, you're good. So can you tell me what you said it's in regards to? And we would we would tell you all the information because like I said, she's not in any trouble, but just out of respect for her, we'd like to speak with her first and then okay. if she feels like talking to you, which I'm sure she will because it's nothing okay. you know, then then yeah. All right. Well complicated. Hang up. All <laughs> Sorry. Right. So, yeah, up here in Washington, um, that's our number. You can call. That's our. And what's your name? Kathleen Brown. And Washington Thanks. These motherfuckers stretched out bullshit for four years and the media carried it like it was coming down from Moses. Now we have actual definitive proof that the FBI is a tool of the Democratic Party and it goes after pro-life people and non-progressives. But they do not charge, nor investigate, nor even look into or even accept that lefties are breaking the law everywhere in this land to include murders and carjackings and all sorts of fucking shit. I was never a person that believed the deep state until these last two years. It's completely obvious. The left must be stopped. I said the last podcast, they, they just got to be stopped or we won't have a country because they are clearly going into fascistic authoritarianism. They're always talking about the sto stochastic terrorism and all this stuff the right's doing. The right's not in charge of shit. I mean, we literally have a president of the United States who is in bed with China and is on video and everything we talk about in every podcast, and I repeat it ad nauseum, they don't even cover it. But they carried Trump got pissed on by a Russia hooker. That was news. Here's Greg Gutfeld, and then I'm just going to go straight into it because I don't need to set it up. I'm, you've probably already seen him, but the Julio Rosa stuff this week, it pretty much sums up Democrats in regards to it doesn't matter what their people do. They could go out in the street, shoot babies, fuck polar bears, burn flags. It doesn't matter what they do. It's peaceful. 
but standing on a sidewalk praying that that's terrorism going to your school board and saying i don't want my kid trans that's terrorism and voting for other than democrats that's terrorism You have people saying that the country will not survive Trump, then your moral duty is to cheat, right? And you should cheat. It, like if somebody belie- is telling everybody that this person is a modern day Hitler, it is your duty to do whatever is possible to stop him. In fact, if you actually play by the rules, you're a traitor, right? So the, they created a devil that was so big and so vast, it made all actions permissible. And it made every institution, as as the judge was saying, subject to suspicion, right? So you can bury stories, you can create hoaxes, you can fund smears. It could go anywhere because this person must be stopped. It's Hitler, an existential threat. And so what happens is now we're left and none of it's true. And so we had a half a decade hoax that infected and undermined every institution because we were made to believe this person is evil. And then... People make fun of people who are skeptical about an election. Why shouldn't they be skeptical about an election when the DOJ and the FBI and the and the mainstream media and the tech companies and the Chamber of Commerce are all in on the same thing? Uh, why shouldn't the election be called into question, right? Shouldn't a hero try to fix the election, right? Shouldn't a hero do that? If you're up against Hitler, that's where we ended up. And you can't go... And- condemn people for so-called conspiracy theories when you were going around telling everybody this guy was worse than Hitler. No, and if you listen to... You're trying to get us, uh, gaslight us up here as if Antifa, which Mr. Rosas, apparently the expert now in organized terrorist activity, has overruled the FBI director who says, there's a headline, says Antifa is an ideology, not an organization. No, no, no. Let's not listen to the FBI director. Let's listen to, sorry, what's your your title? Senior writer at Town Hall, who is going to tell us that the FBI director is wrong. And I'd like to introduce, there's no question. I think it's funny to be be lectured by an heir to the Levi Strauss uh, Corporation. And and honestly, that's probably why he uh, doesn't consider property damage to be that big of a deal, because not only does he have that, but he also has uh, what some would describe an impossibly good stock portfolio. Um, But what I can tell you is that in these riots that happened uh, three years ago, they, uh, yes, big corporations uh, did suffer damage and looting, such as Target, that that would happen in Minneapolis. Uh, But a lot of the businesses, they were small businesses. They didn't come from multi-million dollar uh, families or, or corporations. And so uh, the, the fact that they had to uh, not only deal with the completely unnecessary uh, COVID restrictions that were happening during that time, so the, their, their bottom line was already being hit by that. But then when you add on now having to replace lost inventory or to repair damage, or in some cases be completely uh, you know, lose your entire business uh, that happened to a family that I know in Kenosha, um, the, when you take, I mean, you're taking away people's ability to, to live, to livelihood. A friend of mine said that uh, taking away someone's job like that is just a, ha- a baby step away from murdering them because how else are they support to, supposed to support themselves? I'm not going to issue that. So I, I, I think uh, it was absolutely disgraceful for uh, Congressman Goldman to try to just denigrate 
my, my title because it's not just a title. I, I've earned it because I was there chewing the dirt uh, in these dangerous situations. I didn't see him in any of those places. Uh, I was there in New York covering, uh, uh, New York City covering uh, some pretty violent protests there. And I'm also not just uh, a writer, but I served honorably in the Marine Corps Reserves. Uh, and I was very proud of that. And so uh, that's just typical elitist uh, thinking, and uh, that's why a lot of people hate Washington, D.C., and honestly, I, I don't blame them. What do you think about that? What do you think about that tweet from uh, Ms. Spitolnik? Uh, white supremacism is the most dangerous terror threat. What do you think about that? Well, yes I, would, no? I would agree with Mr. Erickson if we're talking about, I mean, just, I mean, globally, there's a lot of bad people out there that, that want to hurt us, and I would also just say that, like, here uh, in the district, I would, you know, just walking down on the street, um, with homicides being up 7% along with other crimes being up, I, I, I wouldn't be stabbed or carjacked or shot by, statistically, uh, by a white guy in a red hat screaming, this is MAGA country. Without Julio Rosa, we wouldn't even know about most of the stuff, especially uh, Waukesha, Makisha, whatever, the one with the fucking... Dr- it's so hard to keep track of everything that burned down. I have problems uh, associating all the names in my head. But, I mean, without it, we, we wouldn't know shit. It was up to them. And Gutwaller, Rosa, Town Hall, without those citizen journalists at the time who now became journalists, you would know nothing about the Floyd riots. We didn't know anything. Because the media was purposely avoiding it. So we know, we're, we're smart enough to see that the FBI, CIA, the Democrats, every DHS, schools, every institution has gone and bent the knee to DEI and HRC and this woke religion of CRT and LGBTEIEIO. And there's little we can do but vote that they're not in power. But as I said, it's the media. I mean, they're the ones carrying most of this. So I decided to, you know, have a segment each week. The media social justice warriors. The first ones are Obamas. And it's gun control and... CBS elevating a shopliftors, a, they're helping black teens. It's back to that, well, it's not really stealing shit if it's for a good cause. But if you steal something, you know, you're a white person. Fuck you. Post-presidency, what about this country keeps you up at night? The thing that... I'm most worried about is the degree to which we now have a divided conversation, in part because we have a divided media, right? So I'm much older than you, Nate. You don't look it, though. That's what I was fishing for. (laughs) Um, But when I was coming up, you had three TV stations. Yeah. And people were getting a a similar sense of what is true and what isn't, what was real and what was not. Today, what I'm most concerned about is the fact that 
because of the splintering of the media, we almost occupy different realities. If something happens, in the past, everybody could say, all right, we may disagree on how to solve it, but at least we all agree that, yeah, that's an issue. Now wow. Mm. You know, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the conversation, yes. um, specifically the part when he talked about um, media being fractured yes. and how we now occupy different realities. So there's rarely common ground that we find as a country when it comes to issues that are ripping us apart. Yeah. Um, and, and working in media, it gave me a different perspective on what we do. And, and, and it also allows me to look in the mirror. How well are we doing the job of making sure that both sides of whatever spectrum can at least see truth and then start a conversation after that. Well, that's the thing. I've never heard it put that way, a divided conversation. He didn't even use the phrase divided country. Yeah. Right. He used divided conversation. That I've never heard it put that way. And I think it's he's so on point about that. That's what's so scary, that we can't even agree on the facts anymore. And how do you get back to that? I still don't yeah. know. I also like what he said about guns, that we tolerate on a routine basis children getting killed. We tolerate that. Yeah. It, it's it's heartbreaking to yeah. me. It's so important to remind ourselves that the goal here, my fond hope, and I know yours as well, is that this table here will be that common conversation mm. in American life, and you can have conversations like that. He's also, you know, he's quite an academic. He's a deep reader. He's historically correct in saying that the gun debate has become ideological. I mean, as recently as the late 80s, yes. Republican Supreme Court nominees did not interpret the Second Amendment as meaning individual ownership of firearms, but state militias. Yeah. It's been a cultural and, and legal shift in interpretation, and, and that means that we can go back to it in theory. No, yeah, I've heard people on. say when it comes to Barack Obama, you may you never questioned his character, his integrity, and his intelligence. And I think that was just another example. Protests continued in San Francisco following the release of surveillance video by the district attorney's office showing the moments 24-year-old Banco Brown was shot and killed. I will be bringing uh, a complaint, a civil action complaint against Walgreens the security company and the eight and the uh, security officer himself. Famed civil rights attorney John Burris is representing Brown's family and says the shooting was unnecessary and unlawful. I'm surprised that the district attorney, after seeing that video, chose not to go forward. Surveillance footage shows Brown with a bag in his hand walking toward the exit. The security guard, Michael Earl Wayne Anthony, blocks Brown, pushing and shoving him. The guard then appears to punch Brown several times before knocking him down to the ground. The men continue fighting for several seconds until Brown grabs the bag and heads to the exit. He turns toward Anthony, who then fires a single shot at Brown, who died later at the hospital. Burris says the video shows Anthony as the clear aggressor. Security officer wasn't being beat up. Security officer was really physically punching on him tossing him around like he was a rag muffin. But during an interview with police, Anthony says Brown threatened to stab him with a knife. The whole time we were rest wrestling, she was saying that she was going to stab me. And that's what really put the fear in my heart. San Francisco District Attorney Brooke Jenkins said it was that interview and the video that in part fueled her decision not to pursue murder charges because Anthony instead acted in self-defense. We have to believe at the time that we charge a case that a jury of 12 would convict, not let's just charge the case and see what happens. Both Walgreens and the security company Anthony worked for have issued statements expressing condolences to Brown's family. 
Brown, who is transgender, was known for helping black transgender youth and had been struggling with homelessness in the weeks before his death. Capes are just telling us everything. They carry every goddamn lefty cause as if it's what all of America wants, when it's clearly not. As Republican-led state legislators are banned gender transition treatments for minors, a small group of activists who transitioned and then regretted it have been taking a central role, often overriding medical experts and transgender people. No, no, that's, that's false. 80% of all trans people Go back. Th- this shit. I mean, I, I, I did it for a couple podcasts and I kind of stopped, but it, it's every week. Parents file a police report after teacher offers LGBTQ themed book to her middle schooler. And they make this woman out to be like she is a fucking hero for shitting on parents. Pedophile-ish adult woman identifies as a 15-year-old boy per police sources. That person's protected. They're good people. Criticizing George Soros. That's anti-Semitism. Even though he has ruined every fucking city with his DA shit. Universal free breakfasts. We're getting for an election. It's time to start fucking buying votes stories like this a black woman and a white woman went viral fighting racism then they stopped speaking to each other because the one lady was too white this is what happens when white women insert themselves into what should be a black-led organization sahan who's black and 36 said recently white supremacy and emotional abuse get masked under kindness black guy Wins GOP nomination. He is the face of white supremacy. The black face of white supremacy. That, that's that's what that's what we went with. Since Dobbs, our media has been onslaught. Abortion, abortion, abortion. Book bans. Even having gay guys like Collins come on, and he's not even objective whatsoever. Now, the bill is called the Care for Women, Children, and Families Act, and it generally reduces abortion access from 20 weeks currently to 12 weeks once the law goes into effect on July 1st. There are some exceptions. For example, in cases of rape or incest, a person will have up to 20 weeks for an abortion, and for fetal anomalies, up to 24 weeks. Abortions are also allowed in cases where the pregnant person's life might be in danger. There are some exceptions, however, for rape or incest or in cases where the pregnant person's life might be in danger. There's been a dramatic shift in the laws on abortion affecting millions of women in this country. In North Carolina, abortion rights supporters protested last night's vote by Republican lawmakers to override the governor's veto. North Carolina had been one of the few remaining states in the South with access to abortion. Now it joins 19 other states that have either banned or restricted the procedure. And to get it done, Republicans here pushed the measure through in just 42 hours. Just three 
Three days earlier, North Carolina's Democratic Governor Roy Cooper rejected the bill, but his power is limited. Last month, a Democratic state representative from the liberal-leaning Charlotte area switched parties just five months after elections. The change gave Republicans a supermajority. The White House protested late Tuesday night, saying women have been left with no choice but to travel hundreds of miles for the care they need. North Carolina has been considered a safe haven by some women seeking an abortion in the South. But now the landscape is shifting for them yet again with new obstacles making it more difficult to get the procedure. U.S. abortion access facing another major shift. Supporters say the bill's a compromise, since according to the CDC, over 90% of abortions take place before 20 weeks, and it allows for cases of rape, incest, and health of the mother. But it includes more restrictions for those seeking abortions, like men. Uh, but I think the bigger thing is the, the bans on books in uh, school libraries and in schools that places like Florida, Tennessee, Texas, where some libraries have, they've, talked about shutting down libraries. I think that's far more consequential uh, and far, far grimmer. So I'm glad he was able, went after that. Well, I think everyone at this table takes First Amendment rights pretty seriously. Uh, but I got to tell you, it's very disorienting to live in a time where these rights are under assault, I think, from the left and the right mm -hmm. at the same time. Um, the book bans are awful, regressive, fascist, terrible, terrible. But the revisionism, too, is terrible, not just because it's, you know, sanitizing. It's pretending this time did not exist. Well, it's important to know that this time exists so we don't repeat it. And it's important for, in age-appropriate ways, people learn that as they grow up. And, I, I mean, it's very weird to be my age and, you know, lived in a time with so much democracy, some, some joke a little too much democracy, you know, that, you know, to see these kinds of assaults happening now. After. Yeah, I mean, the other thing we should note about this is that a big talking point on the right right now is, look, Twitter just got rid of 90% of its staff and operates just the same. And by the way, no, it does not. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, you are searching for the word cat. And you get a cat literally inside of a blender being blended to death. Don't want to talk about that on, yeah. on TV, yeah, yeah. but that is what's going on. And uh, that's because he ripped out the wires that would have made that happen, and he eliminated the staff that would have checked. Uh, this was there. Were, I, I talked to the guy who used to run this. He said there were multiple layers of redundancy that would prevent snuff films from appearing on this website. And now they're gone. Yeah. Um, and look, this guy is going through what a lot of people did during the pandemic, right? We 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 all know somebody who kind of like lost it because they were like deep in, on Rather the internet. Yeah. They went yeah. all the way in and like yeah. they were previously kind of normal or they were a little bit funky and then they lost it, right? Yeah. That's what's going on. I'm just wondering like how we're long... watching it. Yes, yes we're happening yeah. in real time. I'm just wondering how long like titans of industry and people who are trying to do business with this guy and his other ventures are going to put up with this stuff. It is completely unhinged and it's removed from reality because the majority of people do want restrictions on abortion. And that Collins thing, I mean, that's that's our fucking media class. They are so hurt over Twitter not being in their control because they control everything. So when you can't control everything, look at how they act. It's like a five-year-old. This was deleted because they were lying for Fetterman because Fetterman's good. 
even though he's mentally retarded. Washington Post. Twitter provide privilege access to banning Queen Taylor Lorenz. Hashtag Twitter files. Twitter engineers walk me through the reporting system. Wow, she's a heavy user. They gave her the ability to ban people. Shortly after Musk bought Twitter, Taylor Renz got apoplectic writing that Twitter was opening the gates of hell by letting banning banned accounts back. Then they went in and find out she was the one going after teeny tiny accounts that criticized her. No ban, envision, abuse, harassment towards Twitter Lens platform manipulation or the sharing of personal information. The account was generally healthy, mostly conversational and commentary in nature. Nonetheless, Twitter suspended the account because it violates the Twitter media policy. The account then deactivated. A month prior to that, Lorenz went after another account for tweeting an email by her friend and itinerant blogger Walker Bram. Bachakaraya tweeted a harassing email Bergman sent him and it had Bergman contact info. Bergman played this all up. Twitter, of course, to call attention to himself, retweeting the tweet before people made fun of him from doxing himself. This goes on for a very long time. I'm not going to go into all of it, but that's Twitter. That's what it was. Lefties could do whatever they want. They had power to block people, silence people with no followers. Remember, I don't have anybody following me. I'm a fucking nobody. I have been suspended twice for saying yes to the question, is transgenderism a mental illness? It is. This is our media. Sharpton. How is that objective? PBS. 85% negative news pushing everything. Everything the left wants as outlined by this soundbite where they sit around a table talking about how they're not going to cover the Republican nominee, presumptive nominee for president. I think that all of us here tonight uh, can agree that no one says we should not cover the former president. Uh, But media outlets, Dan, are reevaluating how to cover the former president. What do you think our role, the press, plays in defending democracy? Well, we play an important role. I mean, we we are, you know, we are protected by the First Amendment to hold government to account and to hold government officials to account uh, and part of that is protecting democratic institutions um, I think the challenge with President Trump and I and I think that what happened on Wednesday night was unfortunate was that it was as though we unlearned the lessons that we thought we had learned from 2016 and 2020 in his time in the White House um, yes he's the leading candidate for the Republican nomination that means we have to cover him in some way or another um, but I thought that this event elevated him in ways that was unnecessary, particularly at this point in the cycle. I mean, we're, we're in May 2023, um, and I thought that CNN gave him more of a platform than they needed to do, and with a format that, in, in essence, favors the candidate rather than, you know, 
Caitlin Collins, who did a very had a very tough job and worked at it throughout the 70 minutes of it. Um, I, my own view is on this that we need to be quite restrained in the way we approach Trump's candidacy. New York Times publisher. No bias here, just a metropolitan sensibility, which means fuck you rural people. This one. Wired with a remarkable blend of intellect and empathy, Pete Budleg brings a fresh perspective to the forefront of public discourse. There has been nothing but failure around him. Failure. And to close this and go into gay shit. Yeah, I brought it back out. This is our super bias. Understand it is known. Biden doesn't work past 2 p.m. There's day these days they call lids at noon. But this is MSNBC pushing that he maintains a brutal schedule. Well, that and also, I mean, uh, President Biden uh, keeps up a brutal schedule. Um, There is no question that there is a tremendous difference, and this is understating it uh, incredibly, uh, between the amount of work that he puts in in a day compared to former President Trump and his executive time. Biden and Dr. Jill Biden, they are very giving of themselves. They show up at everything. They give their time. And I mean, it's part of his kindness. It's part of his political instincts. And that's going to be something that they really want to look at as the campaign heats up. And the schedule gets even more brutal, if that's possible. But anyone looking at Joe Biden and seeing what he does in a day, I mean, I know you would be exhausted if you had a schedule and probably would take some days off, or I would, you know? Exactly. I mean, so this guy I'm taking, by the way, old. I'm taking a month off uh, starting next week. I think you're taking tomorrow off, actually. I had a rough night okay. last night. Ask- hey, hey, hey. Little pump in the cut. Hey, gang shit, 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 gang shit. Are you there, God? It's me, Dylan, and I am sitting here with the iconic author Judy Bloom to chat all things of this iconic adaptation of Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, on film. On film. If there was one thing that you want people to take away from watching this movie, what would it be? First of all, I want them to love it. Yeah. (laughs) Because I do. I, I, I think that anyone who's read the book and cared about the book over all these years Mm -hmm. will not be disappointed in the movie. And I was wondering, did you go to the director and say, are there any specific moments that you wanted to see in the film, or did you kind of let the director just take the wheel? There are only two little things I had to tell her. Okay. Okay? And I know not to tell directors anything, but one was they forgot about teenage softies. I don't know if what you are remember. Those? Teenage softies were the sanitary product, the sanitary napkin okay. that Margaret 
bought at the store. Which are become pads, correct? Like they're now pads. Call, call they're pads. pads. And what was the other thing that the you had to tell The other thing was her? I had to teach them how to do the exercise. Which is, um, I must, I must. Well, I go, I must, I must, I must increase my bus. Okay. But those girls were going, we must, we must increase our bus. So the proper ways, I must, I yes, must, that's the proper I must way. increase my bust. Yes. Oh, I can't believe I got to just do that with you. It's day 9610 of being a human. And I'm going to try to leave gender out of this since that's how we found ourselves here. Yeah, that was making the rounds, going everywhere. We just can't get away from that chucklehead. Our next batch, this is from Chris Rufo, a psychiatrist working with Texas Children's Hospital. Child Sex Change Program explains how he circumvents parental rights concerns by telling families that if they do not affirm their child's preferred name and pronoun, they will increase... The risk of suicide, which is 100% lie. You then see a toddler twerking at a family-friendly, transy, bull-fucking shit. And a counselor. And it's not even the worst one. Families! Hi, families! It's time for a pride parade! So really, the mother asked me, you know, what about my parental rights? My rights as a parent, you know really asking me, can you call my child their uh, preferred name and pronouns? Okay. So, and I, I had a student with me um, and I said, you know, ma'am, you, you do have many parental rights, um, but I have to adhere to my own ethical standards as a physician. And I know the best thing to do for this child, their mental health, and really even their, their risk of suicide is to provide, is, is to show them that respect of using the pronouns they go by, using the name they go by. Um, and I'm often kind of working with families in the sense that, you know, I, I'm not here to kind of question your entire worldview or belief system, but to work with you as a consultant, I can tell you both from experience and from the research, um, your child is less likely to both attempt and die by suicide if we use uh, a support, supportive terminology with them and an open, open mind. Um, and they're much less likely to have uh, morbidity from anxiety, depression, and a number of other psychiatric issues if we use this affirming model. Pay attention to the news lately, and my life is going really great, but unfortunately there's a lot of people, trans people, trans youth, who are really suffering right now and need our support. Like this bill in Mississippi is absolutely appalling to me. The fact that the government is overstepping its bounds, like the government does not have any right to legislate your gender identity. So if you're trans youth, if you're a trans adult, don't detransition, don't hide, don't be, be as out there and as bold as you possibly can be without necessarily jeopardizing your own safety i'm not saying you should do be safe but like we need to stand up and tell the government what for because this is absolute bullshit uh don't detransition if you're a medical provider do everything you can to not obey the laws these are unjust laws they have no right to be existing and the moral thing to do is to break them in whatever way possible like i'm there's parts of me that want to do things that i can't say on here to people that are doing this to people and it really makes me 
so sad. And this, this, the only thing that I hate in life is imposing suffering onto other people who don't deserve it because I know what that fucking feels like. So, I'm sorry for the late night rambling, ranting video. And I know I try to make a lot of positive, uplifting content on here, but like it does have to be addressed. And uh, there's, a, I tagged um, content creators in here. Go sign the petition in Josh's bio. Uh, go follow them too for gay news. And stand up. Do whatever it takes. March in the streets. I'm going to be going on a countrywide tour, and I'm going to be wearing a trans flag as a cape, and I'm taking pictures in front of every Capitol building. In fact, I'm going to get me a couple of just so that I can protect myself, because I am not going anywhere. Like, I will fucking die on this hill, literally. I will give my life for the trans community. I will, we're never going away. You will not win. It's impossible. We're unstoppable. They're scared. They're running. They're trying to legislate us out of existence because they know that they're losing this fight. I love you. Stay strong. Certainly don't take yourself out. That's what they want. We will get through this together. They are pushing this just... It's just... It's just fucking insane. It's just... It's fucking insane. And that trans activist, I mean... Who takes advice from that? Who? This was a libs of TikTok size. This came, uh, Susan, a good friend of Krizel. This is a question on, uh, what, what was the, it was just for a student. It doesn't say where it's from. No longer wants to use the pronoun she and her, but would instead like to be referred to using the pronoun they and their. As a good friend who wants to respect Susan's human dignity in the best way possible, Grizel could A, spread a rumor about Suzanne's new pronoun choice by telling lies to all the classmates on Instagram and WhatsApp. B, distance herself from Suzanne because it may be too difficult to remember the new pronoun and Grizel doesn't want to cause offense. First of all, I would never be friends with a person named Grizel. That's not a fucking name. C, understand that this is how her friend wishes to be addressed and do her best to use those. D, do extensive research on pronouns and inform Susan that they have actually chosen the wrong pronoun and should choose differently. And as you can see, they're pushing the kid to only answer one thing, which is be a good friend. Go along with it. I'm not going along with this. I won. Hurrah. Hurrah. Every death is a Sorry, that's a soundless soundbite. I could put music to it, but I'm not going to do that. That's Adidas, the new Adidas women's swimwear range modeled by men. Riley Gaines, I don't understand why companies are voluntarily doing this to themselves. They could have at least said the suit is unisex, but they didn't because it's about erasing women. Steve Woolery. It's ESG. They get ESG certification points in order to get the stock included in ESG index. And that's what it is. It's HRC, ESG, DEI, a bunch of fucking acronyms made up by freak shows that literally force people to do shit like this. New York State Senate passes bill that would require every medical student, medical resident, and physical assistant student in the state to attend implicit bias training. Okay. This is from Blinken. 
on International Day Against Homophobia, Biphobia, Interphobia, Transphobia, we call for an end to harmful conversion therapy practices, including those that attempt to change a person's sexual orientation, gender identity, or expression, or sex. Characterection. I do bit. I do I know, but I don't know what that is. So we're going to, um, hmm. you know, we have important things in the world, but, you know. Okay, uh, what is biphobia? Let's all learn together. It's some made-up bullshit. Biphobia is an aversion towards bisexuality. Okay, I could I probably could have figured that one out. I really fucking cared. An intersex phobia now? We have that because they're intersex? Another thing they just made up? Okay, yeah. So it's a phobia to things they just make the fuck up. Yeah, great. Good times. This is an um, evolutionary biologist. White-throated sparrows have four chromosomal distinct sexes. They pair up in fascinating ways. P.S. Nature is amazing. P.P.S. Sex is not binary. And no, you're wrong. These birds have two sex. I debunked this nonsense years ago. The example they give of species with more than two sex is the white-throated sparrow. This species has two color morphs, male and females, with either white or tan stripes. The more aggressive white stripe morph has a large inversion to chromosome 2, and the species mates disassociatively by color morphs, meaning the white stripe morphs tend to mate with tan stripe morphs. This chromosomal inversion coupled with the disassociative mating by morph has led to a situation where chromosome 2 behaves like another sex chromosome. But having more than two sex chromosomes is not the same as having more than two sexes. They make it up. They always do. It's about penguins humping and dogs humping and humping, humping. Just a lot of humping going on. We're just humping shit because that's that's what we do. That That's what we do. Uh, Molson Coors had one, but I played it last time, so I fucked it up. NBC, an Illinois teacher, is offered a middle schooler best-selling LGBTQ EIO-themed book. Parents filed a police report over her book choice. The book shown in the photo in the tweet is not the book in question. The reason is because the book has pictures of nakedness. So then they corrected it, and still said it wasn't bad, but it has dick pics in it. The whole thing just kind of insane. I'm sitting here yesterday. I got done prepping this show, and I checked my email. Now, back when I was a kid, Converse was the shit. Chuck Taylor's. Okay. What happened? Should have saved it. There we go. Their pride line came out. Pride line. 
Do you think that's going to resurrect your shoes? You went out of business, you got bought by Nike. Now you're secondhand bullshit. Secondhand. And understand, I could let this all go. I could not care. This is this is our State Department. This is just fucking embarrassing. I won, hurrah, hurrah. Every dead is a- your, uh, have you gotten any emails from any of your colleagues uh, in the last, you know, before you came out here, obviously not while you've been at the podium, but since about noon or so? Uh, I, 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 why don't you get to your question? Okay. And then- <laughs> have you? Have you? What's your question? Are you able to look at them right now? My email? Yeah. I'm not going to pull up my email from the post. No, no, no. You don't need to yeah. show it to me. Yeah. I want to notice. I, I, I want to know if you've noticed anything different in the from line where it gives the sender. Matt, this would be a lot better if you would just All ask right, us I'll what your ask, question I, was. Well, I mean, you, so you haven't noticed anything. No. Okay, so within the last hour and a half, two hours, the State Department's internal email system, and I've tested this, so okay. I know that it's true, has added pronouns to people's, uh, not their signature, but to their, uh, where, where, you know, where it says from. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it will say him, he, his, or her, you know, yeah. or she, hers. Um, <clears throat> why? Uh, this is not an optional thing. This is something that has been just ar- arbitrarily imposed. And, I, you know, understand that people could have their pronouns attached if they wanted them to a signature before. But this is not something that anyone has a choice about. And so I'm just wondering why and who, who made this decision. Well, Matt, I um, have not seen this uh, phenomenon for myself. Okay, well, um, I have, uh, and I'll show it to you. And is it just, so let me, to ask you a question, is it just for uh, internal State Department uh, Obviously not, because out. I tested it. So I got, when, I got if an you email send from an email? someone in this building, and, 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 and whereas before it did not have any of these pronouns attached to the uh, sender's name, it now does. And I've also been told from other people that, that, that many of them, or at least... Well, when you send three, it, does it does it have the... the I'll show it to you okay. in a second. Well, I what I will say, just if you say, don't know anything about this, then that, that's fine. Yeah. Can you look into it? Because I'd like I'm to happy, know why, I'm happy to look into it. Why what this I will would just, not be an optional thing for people to do. But the problem is, is that a lot of them, or at least some of them so far, as far as I've been able to tell, are wrong. They're giving the wrong... Pronouns. I, again, so men not, are being identified as women and women as I've, men, and this has nothing to do with whatever transgender or not any, seen, any anything like that. What, uh, but it's ridiculous. This this phenomenon has not made its way to my outlook, but I, I will. Well, I'm happy to check I've on just this told for you. you about it, so and, uh, can you broadly can, though, can you Matt? Broadly though, Matt. Of course, uh, the ability um, for I don't individuals have a problem to with doing it, it, and if people want to have their okay. pronouns. There or whatever pronoun on attached it is fine, but it should be a choice, right? Not not something that is the the, the, the State Department imposes on Th- people, thank especially you, if it's wrong. I will look into this. I'm not aware. Right. Uh, thanks, everybody. Bye. Happy Thursday. I mean, what the fuck? Why don't we worry about the world and not losing our embassies and things like that? That'd be a nice concept. Could we try that out, maybe? Let's try Let's try take that first spin. I don't know. Could be me. Could be me. And then, you know, I, I talk about it all the time on the show, and I know it's fucking annoying, but I'm old, and we repeat ourselves. 
This is all just fads. But this shit, this shows it's a fad predicated by a big time mental illness. I won, hurrah, hurrah. Totally, yeah. Uh, technically, a gender-affirming piercing can be any piercing that you get that affirms your gender. Think of, you know, earlobe piercings for women. But when a lot of people say this term, they're referring specifically to piercings that help with bottom dysphoria for trans people. The specific piercings that I got are inner labes. A lot of transmasculine people will get these piercings and get them done at a large gauge and wear big heavy jewelry in it and it can emulate balls. And when you're wearing this type of jewelry in these piercings, it can affect the way that you have to sit and stand and walk in a way that makes your body language appear more masculine. A lot of people also just find it really affirming to have that physical weight there. If you want to hear more about what my experience getting these piercings was like and what they're like so far for me, go to the next video. What the fuck? What? What the fuck? How far are they going to carry this crazy shit? All right, let's go to a strong finish. We're going to do a lighter fare. It's the energy secretary getting freaking protested, which I really, really enjoy. And we'll go straight into this in America. I haven't done it for a couple podcasts. Can't help it. DeSantis is the devil. If you don't know he's a devil, then you're a devil, and the Florida governor is more informed, tactical, calculated, which makes him way more dangerous. These stories are still floating. They're still floating, and we have all sorts of sound bites. I just picked the best ones. who are tired of Donald Trump are trying to make. And Joe, you have, eh, I'd say once or twice, ticked off the years that Trump, a Trump-led Republican Party, has been defeated in the ballot box uh, in recent cycles. And that's what DeSantis is trying to say. Like, hey, I'm the guy who can get you what you like about Trump, but I've got a shot to win, and he can't. Well, we have uh, also some polls coming up. They're going to show just how much better Ron DeSantis does in swing states of Donald Trump. So Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis were in Iowa this past weekend. And of course, the press has been saying it's over for DeSantis. I'm not so sure. I just I just offer a warning to everybody in the press that's saying Ron DeSantis is done. There's no way he can win. I'm not so sure uh, because 
at the end of the day, as DeSantis said, Republicans have a culture of losing right now that's wrapped around Donald Trump. And would they really want to try to, quote, own the libs more than start winning elections again? I'm not sure. And there are a set of polls that came out from public opinion strategies. It's really one of the most respected Republican pollsters, and they don't, they're not taking sides in this race. Uh, but they have some fascinating primary, uh, fascinating polls, despite the fact Trump is beating DeSantis right now in these primary polls uh, in the general matchups. Uh, look, at, look at this. In Colorado, in swing states, Joe Biden trounces Trump by 10 points. With Ron DeSantis, it's much with people. He's unpleasant one-on-one. -on -one. And the donors that have flocked to him right now are squirrely about him now because they're starting to see he's kind of got a mean streak. And in American politics, a mean streak is not really a good thing. And, and, and voters are seeing that, I think, a little bit. He's got all this mechanical stuff around him that's the right thing to do. But a, even a great campaign can't save a bad candidate. A bad candidate can sometimes, you know, the, a great campaign can sometimes pull one along, but you've got to have a certain uh, amount of felicity and grace and engagement with people if you're going to go and run for the highest office in the land. And Ron DeSantis is going to have to go places like New Hampshire and sit in a diner with the Merrimack County Republican State Committee man for an hour as some as this 79-year-old dude talks about the gold standard or whatever he's obsessed with. And, and, and he can't just walk out. He can't just leave the room. I dislike Donald Trump in every conceivable af aspect of his, of his behavior, his character, everything else. But he has charisma. He engages people. He has a sense of, he has a sense of, of, of energy about him that will probably, you know, end up in the primary debates coming out again. The base will rally back around him. And look, I said this the other night. You watch the way that Donald Trump behaved in that town hall. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, good God. He's going to tear Ron DeSantis's head off and kick it around like a soccer ball. Right. This guy will go. When you feed lions, they eventually bite you. So they have gotten all these kids to believe the end is nigh. We're all going to die. I didn't mean to rhyme, but that's what they go with. Hmm. Next one. Um, and this is all last minute stuff I picked up on the back end. This is uh, Supreme Court. Uh, Supreme Court Transparency Charity Director panics over IRS donor leak. I just fucked up. An advocacy nonprofit group behind the campaign demanding Supreme Court transparency reforms on financial disclosures. The panic mode of accidentally leaking its own funders. Fix the court. Charity that spun off 2021 had to be in a project for the New Venture Fund, a nonprofit group managed by liberal dark money, which we never talk about. Behemoth and for-profit company Arabella Advisors is part of a seemingly coordinated campaign calling for the Supreme Court justice to disclose stuff and not worry about the lefties and within that is George Soros money. So there, yeah. I'm an anti-Semite. This guy is still on the run because he's a liberal. You steal people's shit. This guy gets to keep his gas stove because he's a liberal chef. That's how these worlds, rules work. Top state judge handling climate lawsuit worked with environmental group tied to plaintiff. It just goes back to the shit that we talked about in regards to the trans crap with kids. 
the whole system is infected with HRC and DEI and EIEIO and their kids are trans and they pierce their junk and make themselves have balls. Yeah, that's kind of what it is. And in line with that, here is, once again, Democrats... This time, Sheldon Whitehouse, who goes to a predominantly only, well, it is a whites-only organization, once again, trying to take down SCOTUS. We don't have the luxury of waiting to see if the court will issue radical partisan rulings that shift the foundations of freedom under our feet. We now know it will happen. It's only a question of when and who the court is going to target next. That's because the extremists, right wing, will not stop, but we will not stop either. So let's start with undoing the Republican thievery and adding four seats to the court. Congress can do it by passing the Judiciary Act, expanding the court is constitutional. Congress has done it before, and Congress must do it again now. Probably my favorite soundbite are PBS soundbites. Because remember, we pay for it. This is what we pay for. And this, like the earlier soundbite where we were going to talk about how we're not going to cover Trump, this is how can we deplatform the Republican presumptive nominee. You have the experience of being a former TV news executive who is now a dean at a journalism school. Are the conventions of traditional journalism, are they good enough for the moment in which we live where you have a candidate who seeks to exploit those conventions, those journalistic standards for his own purposes? No, they're not good enough. And listen, you know, I, I, I agree with Jim, but I think if we're honest with ourselves, we knew what we learned last night four years ago and arguably even eight years ago. You know, I had the misfortune of being a producer of a forum that involved Hillary Clinton and uh, Donald Trump, and we were pilloried in the press after that event for not confronting Donald Trump live for his stream of lies. This has been going on for a long time. Donald Trump is more than just an unconventional candidate. He is a candidate who doesn't play by the rules of the democracy, doesn't play by the rules of the Constitution, as everyone saw on January 6th. So for journalists to play by the traditional rules and think all of that is going to be fine is a problem. I once again submit Republicans don't nominate Trump. The cabal is just going to do what they did in 20. It's like a bad movie twice. Why? This is one of the most disgusting things I've ever read, and I wish I wouldn't have read it. He just talks matter-of-factly about hearing babies being aborted alive, and he would just suffocate them to save the mother from hearing it. It's another one of those born alive doctors and the media lies and Planned Parenthood lies and everybody lies about it but they're doing full term abortions when you got a Firo as we said back in 1718 whenever the fuck that was um, 
You're basically saying that it is a, a mom's right to choose up until birth. And understand that concept. This cocksucker kills babies that are alive. He chokes them the fuck out. He doesn't go to a jail, but a Marine who accidentally do it, oh, he's going to take the long haul. Planned Parenthood, who aborts 918,000 babies every year, and we pay them $670 million to do it. You can't stand on their sidewalk and pray. Because that's a violation of something. But this fuck soundbite. We're in the 90s already this year of attacks on pro-life to include dead goats and shit and fucking medieval shit up in this bitch. Pregnancy centers across the country have faced threats, vandalism, and even arson from radical pro-abortion activists. Since May 2nd of last year, when the draft opinion regarding the overturning of Roe v. Wade leaked to the public, there have been over 87 attacks on pro-life pregnancy centers, such as this one. I'll show you a picture of Madison, Wisconsin. There was graffiti on this, on this clinic. It says, if abortions aren't safe, then you aren't either. That was May 8th. 2022. Then look at this one in Washington. This was June 3rd. There was Jane's Revenge says, and there's red paint all over the front door of this one. This was June 3rd of that same year. And then look at this one. This was in Amherst, New York. This was June 7th. You can see the windows were busted out. It looks like there was arson inside. And I believe this one's been attacked several times. Uh, one recently, just two months ago, in fact. Our next guest is the executive director of Mountain Area Pregnancy Services. It's located in Asheville, North Carolina, which was the target of property damage and threatening messages last June. And she praises the local police department for making a presence there following the attack, but has not heard a word of sympathy from local leaders. Her name is Christy Brown, and she joins us now. Christy, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having us. So what have you seen since that summer of 2022 after Roe v. Wade was overturned? Well, initially, our center was incredibly busy right after the overturning of Roe v. Wade. A lot of phone calls with women just literally panicked, like worrying if they could have an abortion or not in whatever state they were calling from. Fortunately, we have not had any new threats since the attack on June 7th of 22, and we are grateful for that. Um, but we consider we continue to focus on our clients and just to serve the more than 300 people that we see annually in our center. Okay, and the police have been there. I know you hired them for a while to sit in your parking lot mm -hmm. and to patrol, and then now they come back yeah. and they check, so you're praising them. What about local leaders? You're disappointed, aren't you? Yes, unfortunately, we have not received a phone call, an email, a text, anything, not even right after the attack. And um, it wasn't like I was expecting anything from local leaders. I mean, I wanted the police involved, and they were, but... It, you know, just go on record and condemn the violence. And, and no situation is violence against any organization, whether it's a pregnancy center, a school, a hospital, a church, any organization. That is never the answer. So at least go on record and condemn what happened. 
That's that Obama shit. Remember in 08, we started with the clinging to their guns and Bibles shit, and we started disparaging, and then we started just going all in and supporting, you know, freaking um, trans. Well, what's the fucking difference? We started supporting Islam and saying, you know, hey, it's really important that uh, we remember that not all Muslims are for blowing shit up, even though all people that blow shit up are Muslim. But that doesn't transcribe to Christians. You know, we're, we're talking about white Christian nationalism and disparaging all Christians at every minute of the day we can get it in from COVID to the economy. But I never thought in my lifetime I would see that the Department of Justice, the FBI, would be ignoring attacks on churches. I mean, that's some fucked up shit, dude. That's that bullshit. That's just straight up bullshit. There's been one person charged. 1,000 people that walked into the Capitol are in jail or have been in jail. It's not how a democracy works. The justice system is supposed to be blind. It's supposed to be based on laws. But we, time after time, when we started with the FBI, whistleblower outright saying they'll fucking ruin you, burying facts, making up Russia, Russia to support a candidate that they wanted to be president. I mean, at the time, if you go back on this show or anybody with a fucking pulse was like, yeah, that fucking HRC crap, that that ain't right, man. There's no fucking way they're just going to let her walk. But they did. They let her walk. She got away with fucking up documents. So much so that the FBI came out and said as much, but we're not going to decide an election. They said those words while they were deciding the outcome of a presidency. As they were going all in to crush Trump on bogus charges. We witnessed FBI agents in a love little love tryst talking about how they're going to take him down. We had the insurance policy. Well, the insurance policy was Russia, Russia, Russia. We know that now. Fast forward to 2023. Ignoring Hunter Biden, ignoring Biden, ignoring Jane's revenge, ignoring crime rings that are, you know, the same people shoplifting. Just all in for anything lefty. We're just going to let the left do whatever they want. And some would say, well, it's because we're afraid they're going to burn shit. Well, you let them burn shit. 
You let them throw a three-month tantrum where they destroyed whole fucking cities. I mean, I remember arguing with people online and literally saying, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. And then I play that video in Minneapolis, then and now. And it's just like Watts. It's just like Rodney King. They destroyed their own shit. And now they don't have businesses anymore. And now we call it racism because they won't come in and do it. And they blame Walmart. But even Walmart's got to close down because you guys live like fucking Vikings. You pillage everything for fuck's sake, but you're not going for gold. I don't know what the fuck you're stealing. Looks like shoes, which we also was told was good because it's racism that makes them not be able to feed their family. So they steal shoes and eat them, I guess. I never understood that whole soundbite by that lady, but anywho, that's some rough shit, man. That's just some rough shit. This was not a good podcast. This was not happy times. That's why I talked less. It's just fucking kidney punch, kidney punch, throat punch. Every time I open Twitter, it is more bias at the highest levels, institutions that are supposed to protect the country protecting just Democrats. And I might have slipped last podcast and my intent was to come on this show and say, I shouldn't have said maybe the rioters were right. Maybe what they were doing was right. Because rioting's wrong. Trying to stop elections are wrong. But when the FBI, the CIA, the DHS, the media, social media conglomerates, companies are rigging elections, even in the smallest sense of just information, what we're going to report in the omission bias of just not covering anything that can hurt it. And right now you saw it on numerous sound bites cooked polls already starting that propaganda that oh there's no way Trump can win yeah, we saw this in 2016 we already saw that you, he was losing by 500 points you said you were already planning her fucking cabinet in October and you knew she was going to lose you knew that that's why you started Russia, Russia. And just in case the GOP doesn't, was it six podcast? DeSantis is worse than Trump. I mean, it's, I know I, I, I talk myself into circular logic because I'm begging the GOP not to do it just because you know what they're going to do with Trump. It'll be... Portugal, Portugal, Portugal. They're just going to pick a rabbit out of a hat and say he got collusion with that country. I mean, I, they're so ridiculous right now. They could say Ukraine. Ukraine helped him win the election. And they do it convincingly because they did Russia really convincingly. But I'll be honest, it doesn't matter. It could be me. 
It could be Matt in Oregon. It could be Todd in Oregon, who donated a story today, and I fucking didn't mark it. So thanks, Todd. I forgot to highlight it. I suck. I I stowed it, but I was doing yard work, and I forgot to go, oh, Todd in Oregon, so you can get the... It was in the beginning. Thank you. Um, it doesn't really matter who it is. That person will be a Nazi. That person will be the greatest threat to democracy since Trump, or a greater threat to democracy, and they will still cook it. Because the reality is, they're all in it now. If somebody ever gets in there and discloses everything, how far back does cheating on elections go? How far back does institutions that have no purview in law enforcement, were they doing things? I mean, we found out after 2020, the USPS had investigators going into social media. Then we find out Twitter was working with the FBI to shut you and me down and promote the left. For all we know, Department of Energy has investigators right now listening to my podcast and preferring charges for dismisinformation white Christian nationalism. They know where the bodies are buried. Because this stuff trickles out, and you and I and normals, we all hear it. Anybody who watches Fox gets it eventually, or if you pick up the Daily Wire or Daily Caller, and you, you just do a Google search, you go on Twitter and go outside the left, you see this stuff, and it's every day a revelation. Every day quantitative proof that they were cheating on everything. They were censoring. I mean, for fuck's sake, I brush things over because if I really hit every subject, I'd be suicidal by the end of this fucking thing. Taylor Lorenz could just pick up Twitter and shut off accounts. A paid troll? Really? Really? I mean, what the fuck? What the actual fuck is going on? Because if, if the world was flipped and say Fox... Okay, Fox is the most watched TV... Well, until they fired Tucker, they had the most watched TV shows. ABC, NBC, CBS, PBS, CNN, WAPO, New York Times, HuffPo, Google, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Etsy. And there's like 20 other avenues that are all left. That's all they push is left. They don't even cover the right. And when things come out that are bigger than Watergate that's a conspiracy theory like masks don't work Wuhan had a lab and they leaked it by accident and then they lied I mean shit that we know are 100% true now everyone in these 
reputable news agencies come out and go, yeah, that was actually the facts, Jack. Jake Tapper can be no more liberal. His book was even liberal. I read it at the outpost. He was an anti-war lib. To a degree, it vindicates Trump's accusations. He's never touched it again because he got kicked out of the cool kid, Trump. Cool kid. Club. Every Sunday, Chuck Todd hits a subject from the far left, like blaming the border crisis on Republicans. It's their fault that Biden purposely to replace voters to include blacks and Latinx who don't vote consistently enough for them. They want people as indentured service servants. You know, they, they, they're going to vote for us for at least three or four cycles because we're going to give them the right to vote and citizenship for just walking across their border illegally. Yeah, it's Republicans' fault. Sure. That makes sense. I mean, do both parties have culpability for us having a broken immigration system? Yeah. But it's been since the 90s that the left said we need to secure the border. That's a long time. Like, 30 fucking years. Once they lost 2016, they realized, even with all the media, social media, institutions, all on board with our religion, we could still lose elections because the majority of Americans aren't devotees of the religion. And the demographic they wanted the most and pushed for and literally brainwash generations of people to think that Republicans who fought to free slaves because Lincoln was a Republican yeah Lincoln was a racist and the Democrats weren't Dixiecrats who owned the South and at that time were fighting Reconstruction and oh formed the KKK. No, that wasn't them. Mm -mm. Jim Crow wasn't the left. It was the right. People believe that. But that group, 30% of America, is starting to peel off because they're realizing, wow, they sure dropped us fast after Floyd for trans and kids. And black dudes with a dick saying they're women. Those people are more important than me. And oh, by the way, I've lived in a liberal city my whole fucking life. Crime's a shithole now because they got the idea to defund. All we were saying is we don't want to get shot by the cops. 
We didn't say we didn't want cops because there's a lot of brother in my hood who will carjack and mug their grandma for some fucking drugs. And about eight of my cousins have been shot by rival gangs. So yeah, we kind of still wanted the cops. A lot of grown-up African-Americans have moved out of that culture and realized, yeah, I like my house. I like my car. I want my kids to be in a safe environment. And these motherfuckers don't give a chuck about me. And why the fuck should I listen to a bunch of white liberals telling me about white fragility on their book tour? And why is it always white people coming up with Latinx? I'm a Latin dude. I came from Mexico. Two generations removed. I don't call myself a Latinx. I ain't down with fucking open borders. I don't want those motherfuckers ripping through my yard. Stealing my shit. And why are they getting free everything and I don't get dick? I'm getting taxed to fuck. When Grandpa Biden said it was going to be over 400000 but that was a lie. A lot of people are peeling off, so they're replacing them. The elite white liberal is still going to get his, and that don't include those black folk or those Spanish folk or normal gay folk. All them motherfuckers lived in gated communities, plenty of security, got the gas stove cranking, getting on their private jets, using their goddamn dirty fucking electricity to charge their iPhone and tell everybody the world's going to land in eight fucking months. So this whole fucking thing ain't working for them. So, yeah, they're going to steal 2024 and 2028, 2032... When I hit Social Security in 2036, they'll still be rigging shit. But the funny thing is, the majority of people are crowing that shit now, and young kids are going to start, like my son did, and start looking at that paycheck and going, fuck these motherfuckers. My tax rate is insane. I ain't even middle class. But you guys wanted to give all that free fucking shit. Now I'm paying for it. And I don't get shit out of you. I get called a racist. And I'm black. It's just sad that we have to go through all that to get normal Americans to wake the fuck up and pay attention that the Democratic Party Every time they don't have total control, they want to burn it down. Electoral College, to senators, the Supreme Court, Twitter. I mean, just name it. They're like five-year-old kids. And when you really break it down, Republicans are useless because all they wanted to do when they were in charge is get rid of the fucking ACA and do the born alive alive bill that wasn't ever going to pass. So they don't legislate shit either. 
But other than the ACA and a gigantic Inflation Reduction Green Energy Act, what the fuck have they legislated that has benefited your life? Almost all the infrastructure was already happening. It's just like Obama. They just put a new sign on it and say it's them. But it ain't your neighborhood. It's the racist roads that have already been gentrified with white liberals living in lofts, talking about how hard it is to live in that hood. Black folk already moved out. But they still gonna fix that bridge for the liberals, not for the black folk. They're putting Section 8, Section 8 apartment complexes in the burbs and the rural area where black folk and Spanish folk and gay folk and tranny folk moved to get away from the crime, and now the crime's there. It's in your shit now. Because they've regulated if you don't fucking do this, you don't get road fund or you don't get schooling fund. They closed all the schools down for two fucking years so Weingarten and the union could get a bunch of money to donate to the fucking midterm and to the 2020 election. And now my kid is two years behind and they still don't want to teach him. They still don't want to go to work. They're like the rest of the liberals. They want to work from home. And oh, by the way, when they do go to school, my teacher's more enthralled with transing kids and oh, by the way, African-American folk ain't down with that shit. That's why Oprah did on the down low. They're the ones beating up the trannies and the Jews and the Chinese because they done with their shit. We're going to go through some rough revolutions. Like SEAL school. Or Ranger school. Or any hardcore school. And unfortunately, it's going to take a lot of people a long time to get their head out of their fucking ass. And collectively as a group, we all say enough. I want a 50-year-old business dude who doesn't spend all day on Twitter doesn't give no fucks about any social justice bullshit or any far-right bullshit. He just wants to go balance the fucking budget so we don't owe China all our money for the rest of our fucking live, live long days and we unfuck this country and get off the same fucking subjects we've been having in my lifetime. Don't abort babies. Abort babies in college. Gay. Black people are getting treated worse now than they were during Jim Crow slavery on the boat before they came over and when they got captured by African tribes in Africa and chucked on that boat. Yeah, all that bullshit need to go. It needs to be like real subjects. Like, let's, let's just fix shit. How are we going to have Social Security for everybody? How are we going to have... Medicare 
I mean, these motherfuckers want to talk about everybody getting free goddamn health care. VA's broke. TRICARE broke. Medicare broke. Social Security broke. All the bullshit you already promised, you can't even fulfill that. So why don't we fix that shit before we start universal health care? Maybe make younger generations start investing in federal grants or something so the money's getting pooled and building equity to fulfill it for everybody. I mean, just Jesus, come up with something. And like majority black, gay, three dick Martians. Why don't we have term limits? Why do we get led by 80-year-old fucking people that almost fell down a ramp in Japan, but the media don't cover like they did Bush? Why is the Feinstein story a story? Her ass should have retired. Pelosi should be gone. Reed should have been gone way before he fell off his bike. Biden should not be our president. McConnell's got Parkinson. Sat right next to him. That motherfucker should have been gone like yesterday. Why are we not having term limits? Why are we not expecting more out of our elected officials? Why do we keep taking the same shit sandwich and eating it every two years in election? It's a midterm for shit, and you pick the least shitty, and then a presidential where you vote for the least shitty. But nobody wants any of them. The reality is I watch one thing and then I'll shut up because I'm on a tirade. Biden probably going to win again because Democrats are so brainwashed they'll vote for anything with a D. Yet they approve of him at 36%. I mean, I fucked up again, but I can talk about it really quick and then we'll close the show because I fucked up. I done fucked up. Every fucking survey I'm doing right now is uh, let's just do it this way let me pause first so on his white supremacy well at Howard blah 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 agree or disagree white supremacy is the most dangerous terrorist threat in the US 52% say it's not but 47% believe that shit because that's how they've schooled them. In your view, do you believe President Biden has done more to unify or divide? 52% said divide. Seven undecided. So plurality, once again, say he's dividing. In your opinion, do you believe white supremacy ideology among people in the U.S. is very common? 20%. That's, I say 18% believes us. 56% not. And how much influence do you believe white supremacist group have on politics? A lot. 20%. Not a lot. 67%. Do you think the U.S. government takes white supremacy 
Too seriously, about right, not seriously enough. Not seriously, 20%. Too seriously, 67 fucking percent. 67 fucking percent because only 20% of the country believes that fucking sawed-off bullshit. And another 25% go along with the dumb shit because they're too scared to form their own opinion. And that pretty much sums up politics in the United States. It's hard to get real answers on stuff because they have beat down normals to the point with social media, specifically, that people don't tell the truth till they get in the poll. Polling booth. And maybe in 2024, we'll get lucky and they'll do it again. So this wraps up another episode of Flower Politic Podcast. Share with your family and friends. Go to SoundCloud Flower Politic with K 482467 on Rumble. Email me at foppodcast at gmail.com. Disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah, yeah. We're going to go with the next show on Tuesday, 23 May, year of our Lord, 2023. As always, thanks for listening. Take care. Every death is a tragedy, y'all. It's seven lives.